I'd like to read the scripture that uh, the Lord's laid on our hearts in the series in Philippians, Living with Purpose. The uh, scripture is Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. Paul writes these words and he says, The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. We know that he's under house arrest now in the city of Rome. And he says, I have eagerly, I eagerly, verse 20, expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, we know this verse well. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the, between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is better by far. Now, most of the people that I run into and, and myself included in this is that that's not... That's not exactly what we really have in our hearts. It's like, I would rather not depart. I would rather stay here. Paul's saying, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If you were to give me the choice to stay or to go, Paul is saying, and he's authentic, he believes it. He, he's saying, I would, I would choose to go and be with Christ, which is better far by far, verse 24, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus will abound on account of me." Now, it's easy to isolate one of those verses in that passage that I just read and stick this one verse on a bumper sticker, right? Or to stick this one verse on a coffee mug. And, and you, could, you could put it right on that coffee mug, right on that bumper sticker, and it would just, it would look wonderful, and it would communicate an incredible truth. And it can be, at times, a standalone verse. stands all on its own by itself. But it's better if you look at it, understand it in its entire context. It's Philippians 1.21, top 10. I would say, if you had a top 10 of the scriptures that you know, that you have hidden in your heart? I know top 10 for me, Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's an, it's an easy verse to memorize. 
It can be a standalone verse. But we got to see it in its context to really understand the power. What's the context? The Apostle Paul is under house arrest once again in the city of Rome, facing trial. He's chained. Remember that chain that I had here? He's literally chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. They come in. They take their shifts. He's got to write letters with, with a Roman soldier chained to him. He receives guests. He sleeps. Why is he in chains? Because he appealed to Caesar way back when he was in the city of Jerusalem and he was unjustly accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And he appeals all his way, because he's a Roman citizen as well, all the way to Caesar. And now here he is. He finally made it to Rome. It took, it took literally a shipwreck, days, weeks in the open sea. He finally makes it to the city of Rome. He's under house arrest. He's waiting to be tried. Stand before who's the emperor at the time? Nero. It's about 62 AD. You guys don't fact check me now. Put your phones down, all right? Approximately 62 AD. That's the problem these days. It's like, it's right around there. He knows he's going to stand before Nero at some, at some point. And Nero's not a nice guy. I think it's like four to six years later. A fire starts in the city of Rome. The whole city is devastated. And Nero blames the Christians and begins this purging, executing Christians. Atrocious things. Things that we read about and see today on the news the bombings and the beheadings and the atrocities that we've seen through internet and all the media. Folks, this, this has happened prior. Nero was doing the same kinds of things. Christians were becoming objects of amusement. They were clothed in the hides of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Others were literally crucified. Some were set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when the daylight faded. And into this context, Paul writes what? Chained to a Roman soldier, for to me to live is Christ. To, God, to die is Game. He doesn't know if he's going to be found guilty. He assumes that at some point in his life, he's going to die because of his faith. And he does. Not this time, he's released. But approximately six years later, he's back in Rome 
and he's martyred because of his faith. He goes on a fourth missionary journey that we don't read about in the book of Acts. It's not there, but many believe that he went back to some of these churches. Philippi, our study in Philippians. So what's today's message about? In light of all of that, it really is about identifying the center of our lives and filling in the blank. Paul had, he, he was so narrow-minded in a great way. He knew exactly what his life was all about. He was centered in Jesus. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to, to honestly answer this question. If we don't honestly answer this question, then all of this is for naught in terms of this word. Then it's just, okay, I understand the history, but what does this mean for me? What is that? What is life to me at the center? Fill in the blank. What is life to you at the core? Let's be honest. The battle we constantly fight against in life is who and what is at, is at the center of our lives. The self-life is always trying to take the throne and be the center. We all struggle with it. For me to live is, we like to say it's Christ, but honestly at times, to me, to live is self. The world teaches us that to live is self, as though life is a solar system, and we're at the center. Let's be honest. We like everything to revolve around us, right? We talk about our dreams, our hopes, our ambitions, our plans. What are your dreams, someone will ask. What are your plans? I think that's the wrong question to ask. So what is, what is, where is Jesus in the equation? What is Jesus' plans for my life, for my future? That's what I really need to know. So I got this crazy idea, this thought, right? I've had this now for a few weeks. You got you to gotta give some pictures, all right? I'm, if I don't give you a few pictures, I'll lose you. So now is the time where I'm going to try to gather you back, all right, with a simple illustration. It's like this is our solar system, right? There's the, 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 the center of our solar system, the Milky Way, is the, the sun. And we know that there's, what, eight or nine planets? They're discovering more. I don't know the name of those one planets that have just been discovered. But it's like, there they are. Mercury, Venus. Do you see Earth? What, what number is Earth? Remember? Three. How many knew that coming in? All right, see, you're just smarter than I am. Mars, all right? Jupiter, Saturn, 
Uranus, and Neptune. But for the sake of illustration, what I think we do so often in life is we put ourselves right there in the center. Self. And my dreams, my goals, my plans, it all revolves around who? Me. Myself. For me to live is self. As long as I stay at the center of my universe, I'm really okay and fine with Jesus. In fact, I like living my life with Jesus in the universe. It's really cool, isn't it? Jesus can orbit around me. Now, this may not be what it looks like for you, but maybe this is what it looks like for me. There's self in the center, and my dreams and hopes, ambitions and plans and comfort. You know, that's an idol, comfort. And control, I like to have control. For me to live is control. For me to live is approval. I got to just make sure that everyone likes me at all times. Guess what? It's the wrong God. But we like to put Jesus in there, all right? He's, he's, he's the big planet. Is that Saturn? It's Saturn. The rings, right? It's like there he is. I get to see Jesus. He's, he's right there. I'm at the center. I wouldn't say that, but the way I live my life, there's times where I'm at the center and Jesus is in my orbit. He's, every once in a while I see him. Jesus, there he is. Hey, Jesus. How you doing? I'm here on Sunday. I see you. I worship you. I love you. But I may not even talk to you until I come back the next week. Jesus has no interest in being close to the center, does he? It's not what he requires. Jesus comes into our life and he messes with us, doesn't he? Jesus tells us to die to ourselves, to crucify self. He becomes the new center of our lives and all of our lives need to revolve around him. So what's the issue? I think the issue of the whole body and the issue in the Bible and and the issue of our whole life is idolatry. Idolatry is putting anything other than God at the center of your life, at the center of your solar system. An idol is anything that gets more glory, more weight, more importance in our eyes than God does. What, was, what, what is the first commandment that God gave to his people? Do you remember? You shall what? You shall have no other gods before me. You see, if you break the first commandment, you break all the other commandments. The first commandment is to not have anything other than God at the center of your lives. Humans were made to worship. We all worship. The issue isn't 
if we're going to worship. It's what we're going to worship, who we're going to worship. Everyone here, everyone in Elk River worships. But what do we worship? Who do we worship as God? All sin comes from valuing something more than God, placing something other than God at the center of our lives. So the question really in the end comes down to this. What are your idols? What drives you in life? I mean, if you can't come to church and, and honestly answer that question, then what's this all about? I think coming together as the body of Christ is an opportune time for, for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. There are times when the Holy Spirit will, will, will like a, a scalpel in the hand of a, a surgeon who is gifted and talented and it'll just go right to that issue of idolatry in my heart and just put, put, put it right there. For, to me, to live is approval, comfort, security, pleasure, control. And you can leave today saying, Jesus, I'm struggling with this area in my life. I think it's idolatry. I think I love this in my life more than I love anything else. I love my pleasure. I want this more than I want anything else in life. This is the beginning of, of, of Holy Week. This is a time to remember the, the great sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid, all of the wrath of God he carried. He wants to be the center. He doesn't want to fly by in my solar system every once in a while and get me to just give him a wave. He's God. He will not wave at me in my solar system every once in a while. He's like, that's idolatry. You're not the center. I am. Repent. Get on your knees. Say to me, repent. Turn. So how do you... Discover your, your idols, my idols. Well, answer a few of these questions real quick. What do I worry about most? Right now, what do you worry about most? That thing, if that's, if that's overwhelming your life and your thinking, it's idolatry. Today, just say, Jesus, I 
I can't in and of myself break this in my own mind and in my own heart, but today I repent of it. I turn from it. I put you in the center. If I failed or, or lost this certain thing, what would cause me not to even want to live life? What do I use to comfort myself when things go badly or when things are difficult? It's idolatry. What preoccupies me? What do I daydream about? Where do I fixate my thoughts? What is the first thing I want people to know about me? Hi, I'm Paul. I, I'm a pastor. Is that where I get my identity? I hope not. If I do, I'm in big trouble because it just goes up and down and all around. You are, and there are times Monday mornings where I'm going, oh, Lord, where am I? And I say, God, i got to get centered in you. The first thing I want people to know about me is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of his. I love him more than I love anyone or anything. I hope that I could say I would die for Jesus. I'd have to shorten it up so I could put it on a coffee cup. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. But in the end, that's what I want people to know about me, believe about me. It's not what I do. Think about those questions. Just put Jesus, the center of your solar system. You know, it's not like all those other things just like cease to exist, but they're in their proper order. I don't even know what that, if that's a proper order or not, but you get it, right? In conclusion, I thought, thought a lot about Space, and I don't know anything about space. In fact, Deanna homeschooled one of the boys, and she said, well, man, I should get you this book on science. It's just from, from a, the view of God being the creator, and we didn't get to it. I didn't look at it, but, you know, I'll just look at the stars at night and just go, wow, this is so amazing. In his creation, we know that the moon orbits the earth, right? And the earth orbits the sun. We, I just showed a picture of that. And the sun orbits the Milky Way. It's just a circular, incredible phenomena. And that's as far as I can go. The Milky Way is a spiral galaxy, right? Think about it. And at the center of it all, Listen now, because I want you to see the grandeur of all of, of, of who we serve and who we love. Colossians 1.16 says, Paul writes, 
for, and he's chained to a Roman soldier, by the way, when he, when he writes this too. It's a prison epistle. He said, for in Jesus all things were created. For in Jesus all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth, visible. That which we see, the macro. The macro. Everything's created by him. The visible and the invisible, the micro. Things that are going on right now in your in your body that you cannot see with the human eye, but if you put it under a microscope, you go, oh, this is incredible. And he created it all, the macro and the micro, this Milky Way in a spiral galaxy. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in Jesus, all things what? I love this. All things hold together. Hebrews 1, 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made what? The universe. This is really cool. This next verse, verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins on earth, when he died on that cross, he ascended to heaven, right? And what did he do? Where's heaven? I have a hypothesis. Simple guy, don't know a lot about science. I know the creator. It says that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the majesty where in heaven. Where is heaven? So here's my hypothesis. Talk to me afterwards if I'm, you know, whatever. But when you get to the center of it all, out there in the vastness of all the galaxies, trillions times trillions, of which the Milky Way is just one of trillions, right? So we know heaven's out there somewhere, but listen, maybe heaven is right in the middle of it all. And what's going on? It's going like this. All of creation. The moon orbits the earth. The earth orbits the sun. The sun orbits the Milky Way. The Milky Way is not just stagnant and just right staying in one place. It's what? It's moving. We're on a ball that's moving. Everything is moving. And how is it moving? I think it's rotating. It's rotating everything. Where's heaven? I think it's heaven's in the middle of it all, maybe. And who's at the center? Jesus. He's right at the center. And today, we can recognize that and we can say, I don't want to be in the center of my puny little universe any longer. I can't live like that any longer. It's a waste of time. I got to put him at the center because that's who he is, that's where he's at. I don't know a lot about all of that stuff, but I do know this. 
that Jesus is the center of it all. So, why not humble ourselves and put him at the center of our existence on earth? Why do we fight that? Why don't we just put the white flag up in the air today, whatever you're struggling with, and just say, I, I can't control my life any longer. I'm trying. I just humbly say, Jesus, you are the center of everything. Be the center of my existence. And he will. It's not a cool thing about Jesus. It's like, of course. That's what this table is about. There's no greater joy than to understand that the creator of, of everything took on the person of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. He came to this tiny little blue ball that in God's eyes, you'd have to use a microscope to see it, right? And our eyes is so huge. His eyes is like, where's... Father, where's that microscope? i got to look at earth again. It's just so puny and small out there, spinning around and around and around. And there's that Pastor Paul. He just, he just wants to always be the center of, I just wish he would repent. Get on his knees. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask the team, worship team, to come back. We're going to sing a song about the blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to distribute the communion elements, the, the bread and the cup. At the Seder presentation, we're going to see how this all looked in the eyes of Jesus when he celebrated the Lord's, his table at at Passover, that's going to be a fascinating study. We like to, to have communion because it, help us, it, it helps us get centered in what's really important in life. And today's the day for us just to, to come back to Christ. Amen? Amen? This is an open invitation to Christians. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to participate in communion just that you would know Jesus in a personal way. And that you would just hold on to that bread and we'll, we'll take that together. So I'm going to ask the communion stewards if they'll come this time. Let's pray. Maybe seated here at the front. Jesus, you are before all things. And in you, Jesus, all things. All things hold together. Even... when things seem to, to be so out of control, 
in our own lives. We can simply come back to you, Jesus, and say, be the center of my existence. You sustain all things by your powerful word, Lord. Our lives are sustained because your powerful word speaks life into our very essence. The Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit. We're born again by the Holy Spirit. And in these earthen vessels, it's broken down bodies of ours. You take up your residence and you hold us together. You went to that cross, Jesus. Because our lives are so broken. And you proved that you loved us. You took our sin and the wrath of God. Then you offered us forgiveness. And we just want to say thank you, Jesus. You're, you're ascended to the right hand of the Father. You hold all things together. Wherever heaven is, that's where you are. And you're coming back again. And, and until that day, we're just going to keep taking this communion. We're going to eat this bread, drink this cup, proclaim that in your death we find our life. And so, Lord, as we prepare our hearts, may we, we repent of known sin and make it right now in Jesus' name. Amen.